Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. From the BOD studio, recording on the new surface of the Duchess, it's playing and slaying. Well, guys, tonight, unlike Gen Con, we're not going to sell out. We're (laughs) going to talk about what we've been playing, buying, and building, a.k.a. hobbying. Uh, We're going to dive into a main topic very near and dear to my heart, hashtag new 40K. Boom. And then we'll, uh, we'll close it out with the play it or slay it segment where we will review a undisclosed game from mayday games that some may refer to as a filler game and i think some jo- people may I some people may. I like it i don't know i think josh is going to give us the uh the actual rules breakdown this he brought this one to the table so for sure um but yeah so it's it's going to be we, we've got a lot of playing too we've yep. got a lengthy playing segment so hopefully everyone wants to hear about fantastic games and what they should themselves be playing um but first, before we really start um, running at the mouth, let's talk about how we're staying hydrated. I have a uh, a bullet rye uh, on ice because you know it's a little it's a little warm out. Wanted to keep it, it cool. It, it is hot and warm. humid. After hot the and great humid. Flood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in the great flood. It is in Wisconsin here. Yeah, we were edged out of the studio because uh, the sump pump is running next door. <laughs> But it brought us up to the beautiful Duchess, which beautiful I don't Duchess. want to foreshadow. We're foreshadowing. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Right. <laughs> right. Troy, uh, what are you drinking? Um, what I'm drinking and what I have drank. So pregame was uh, Sprecher, local. We always want to have a local beer here, right? Yep. Keep support the local businesses. Because we haven't sold out like Gen Con. Right. Yeah. Sprecher <laughs> always has beer. You just If you run out, you just walk down to downtown Milwaukee and they hand it out to you. Yeah. Um, Abbey Triple. Delicious, very delicious. Belgian style ale, super delicious. Um, I was asking, you, it tells you to age this beer to create a fantastic beer. I didn't age it; it still tasted good. So I only can imagine what it would be like if I aged it. But very similar, very similar. Josh is—he's the expert. He was telling me all kinds of good things I should do with this beer. Yeah, you can age them, but it was actually delicious. Good. It was delicious. So the kind of the the game beer. Why we're recording here is, uh, was it Oma Gang? Yep. Cooperstown, New York. Yep. Home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Three Philosophers. So this is, I don't know, what, what kind of style is this? This is kind of a... Is it their take on a Belgian? Yeah, I think it's another Belgian, which is totally my, you can tell, like, Troy picked the beer, right? <laughs> no IPAs, no pale ales, no whatever. Everything's Belgians or <laughs> Ambers. Can you, can or, you name Three Philosophers? Name three philosophers. All right. Um, Plato. Plato. Oh, that's pretty good. How about Socrates? Mm-hmm. 
and then the guy who wrote Zen and the Art of Mo- Motorcycle Maintenance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's his I, name? I, I don't know his name, but I did yeah. read the book. <laughs> that That is a book I've read. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Right. Whoa. One of Boom. like 10. Yep. So that's me. That's for now. So that's two now, and Wonderful. we'll see where we get to by the end of the show. Wonderful. I'm uh, keeping up with my reputation as the, the BOD mixologist, and I created another drink. Tito's. Hard seltzer. So White Claw makes this 5% alcohol hard seltzer. So you're you're mixing your booze with more booze. <laughs> and then a splash of strawberry lemonade. Just for mm-hmm. the, the nice pink color and the, the little bit of flavor. Um, it looks froofy. Tastes delicious. Yes. Yeah, it's and probably running fifteen percent. What do you think it's running? What's our what's our proof on that? Oh, I'm, well, I mean, Tito's vodka is straight vodka, and then yeah, the five like percent alcohol. It's like so. eighty. So I don't know what your your percent mix was. Though. Oh, um, I mean, maybe two ounces of strawberry lemonade and a eight ounce he mi- drink. He mixed it hot. He mixed it hot. Yeah. yeah. So so fifty fifty on the Tito's and the mm-hmm. and the White Claw. Yeah. All right. You do about an even mix of your seltzer and your mm-hmm. your vodka. And then splash it in the strawberry lemonade. All right, that's got some. Tips. It looks like a blush wine. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it, <laughs> but it uh, it tastes pretty good. The title let me oh, have yeah. a sip. It, it yeah, good. it is not. You would not guess the alcohol content in that at all. But yeah, I'm I'm proud of this one. This yeah. goes no. on the list uh, yeah. right up there with vanilla we, vodka and Dr Pepper. Mm-hmm. We need we need to actually like write those down. <laughs> all right, don't worry, it's coming. Names. I know yep. I've been promising for like two yeah. months. Yeah, the the uh, the blog post is coming. <laughs> it's been sitting in the draft folder on the website for a while. So, <laughs> Awesome. All right. So now that we are um, through all of our hydration and hydration station, it's time to dive into what we've been playing. And we have uh, we had to do quite a bit of uh, streamlining of our playing list tonight because <laughs> it, it's been an action-packed month of uh, summer gaming. So um, let's start from, from the top of the list. We have gotten together a couple times recently to continue our Dungeons and Dragons campaign um, with now the six players in, in the group and, and myself as the uh, the dungeon master. Um, any uh, any thoughts on recent game activity? I, it seems like the stakes are continuing to rise. I mean, as we're, you know, it's kind of we're whatever mid-level, high-level characters, right? What are we, eighth level? Something eighth like level, that, yeah. Right? So all of a sudden, you know, we're mess around with things that we've always from the beginning been involved in things in the whole world and stuff but it feels like things are really kind of ratcheting up in terms of you know things that are going to affect the entire kind of forgotten realms or at least the west coast right um are, are coming to a head pretty kind of quick here so um it's been yeah i'm i'm excited i mean we're only we only know a little piece all of it it's the craziness that's all in ty's head but uh, <laughs> but the piece we know is, is pretty exciting and intentions are running a little high. Uh, folks are wanting to head in different directions a little bit, and and not wanting things to happen or wanting things to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's interesting to see kind of that play out. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm having a blast, and I think the last two sh- two sessions we I don't think we rolled any <laughs> combat combat dice, dice yes. at all. So which is great. I mean, and we're all still having a total blast. Uh, and I, I didn't even miss combat. You know, like nope. it was it, you nope. know because you had other ten- there were very many other tensions going on. Right, we were seeing long kind of long running plot threads kind of 
come to the surface a little bit, right? Between some character conflict and things we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's really fun. I mean, Ty, you're doing a great job. It's uh, we're all excited to keep going and see where we get to. It feels like there's some kind of a climax coming here. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we'll see where we get to. I imagine by the end of the summer, we may have some some craziness. And, and I think I've said it before, but uh, using Roll Twenty. Where you know Ty can do a quick chat to somebody and still keep things moving, mm-hmm. like people are still having conversations and whatever um, over um, Google Hangouts. But you know Ty can do a quick chat directly to somebody else. Um, you know we have all the the good um, uh, displays and and, and um, kind of backgrounds and and what's going on. You know, it, it, with the characters and stuff. It, I don't know. I, I love Roll Twenty. It's so great. It's. It, I'm yep. having a blast with that. So. And next time you guys get to head into the Underdark. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Yeah, everything good will happen there. I'm sure. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh, while I was on vacation with my family, uh, I brought Joking Hazard uh, because my sister bought it for me for my birthday, and I thought it'd be kind of fun and fitting. And she was there, and her husband was there, and. Um, you know, my family is there. So, um, yeah, we played Joking Hazard, and I had never played before, so it was kind of cool. Um, and it's very similar to, you know, Apples to Apples or uh, Cards Against Humanity, that sort of thing, where, um, you know, you put down two panels of a cartoon. Um, it's the uh, happiness or the cyanide and happiness guys. So, um, you put down the first two panels of a cartoon, and then. Everybody else around the table puts down the last one, and you shuffle them up, and you see which one. And and it's all pretty raunchy and in you know, kind of potty humor yeah. and that sort of thing. So uh, total fun. Uh, had a blast. We were all. I think a few of us were drinking, so you know it adds to it. But definitely so it's a, like Cards Against Humanity with pictures. Yes, yes. Okay. It's like cartoon yep. Cards Against Humanity. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So fun game. I, Any draw your own cards? Yes, they had. Uh, there's definitely a uh, a handful of um cards with like bubbles that you can like write in your own words or uh, i think there might be actually a couple don't give those a tie yeah right <laughs> um <laughs> highly inappropriate but yeah uh, totally fun uh, yeah i'm probably gonna make some make some of my own and then they i think they have a few a couple expansions for it already too so um but yeah i recommend it for just kind of a fun party okay. game Cool. Um, somebody played Time Stories, not me. Yeah, we did. Um, we played the Marcy case, and that's all we can say about it. Yeah, because we don't do it. spoilers here. Yep. No Troy, spoilers. Troy doesn't let us spoil anything. <laughs> but, uh, well, I wouldn't. I'm trying to protect the audience. Right. You care about their, their yep. ears. Their experience. Um, either way, though, it was fun. We won it. We won. We'll the, say we won. The setting is near and dear to our heart. Yes, but we yep. can't say. But anything I wouldn't more say anything, and I'm only going to say it because because I knew nothing about the scenario or the setting before I went into Marcy Case made it that much better. That's yeah. why I always feel bad if people would get spoiled on what the setting actually is. Fair enough. All right, so this is terrible radio because we're not actually giving any information. Yeah, but we played it. We played it, and yeah. we won. and we want to tell people they should play it. Yeah, yep. Time Stories is great. Yeah, absolutely. So that's yep. a great game. Right. Hoping they continue to push out um, new stories and new yes, expansions. Yes, the new expansions. I think i'm going to try and play it with neil from work neil from neil work and mike and our normal time stories gang we're actually going to Excellent. try and play friday oh you're so. a gang now yeah we're a gang yeah <laughs> oh do you guys have t-shirts um no do you have like leather vests do you patch, do you patch in new members Ooh, 
No, because we because all the games we play only have four four players, oh. so we're like so you at can't max. Really, you can't really be like the Water Street rubber knife board game game. No. Yeah, we can't bring any more people. Okay. You guys should get like Razor scooters and like <laughs> tool around more. That might work. We could, we could Avenue. yeah, we could go between the downtown buildings and <laughs> yeah. work great. Weave yeah. in and out of cars. Um, but yeah, so back to playing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my dad was in town for a little bit over Father's Day weekend when we played Time Stories. And then Tom and I also, we got him through a few games of Sushi Go and uh, Above and Below we played three mm. times. Nice. Because he really enjoyed mm -hmm. that. And the deeper into that game I get, the more I like it. So now I want to try, I know this is going off off page here. You're good. Uh, Near and Far is the newest oh, new one, one. Yep. Ryan Lockheed's yeah. done. Now, is that uh, like an expansion or standalone? Same world, but different game. Okay. So it's like a standalone game, but in yeah. that same world. Yeah. Um, and some similar styles. So, so when you guys played above and below, did people always go below? Yeah, pretty even split. But, okay, yeah, because that built cause, out and down. Because I always think like that game, like you don't need to go below, but the funnest things happen when you go below. Yeah. So if you're playing the game, I would recommend going below because that's. But it's highly random when you go below. So yep. <laughs> if you really want to, so it's all about if you really want to win. I don't know if going below is that really what, part of the strategy. But some people like to stay above. You know, it really just depends. <laughs> what, what I found was pretty pretty interesting in it is I took some bigger exploring parties down, more villagers, <laughs> and so I knew I could handle some of the bigger encounters. And the payoff when you do that is is sizably different when you go for those explore you have seven more explore people. eight rewards where you can get the lanterns on your villagers that you send down yeah so, so i mean to was, back up a little fun. bit right if people who aren't familiar with above and below I, what's what's the best way to talk about that the, the worker mechanics placement worker placement game yeah and um, and then if you and you can do all the worker placement stuff kind of above ground which is the above part and, and do the different things but when you go below then you open up this, this is a kind of an encounter book, right? Um, yeah. With a bunch of random encounters. It really, it tells a story. It's really kind of very narrative, a lot of fun. And so that's why it's fun to go below. But as soon as you open that book up, strange things are going to happen and you don't know. And, but there's, you know, it's, you're taking a risk because it's high reward, high risk to get there. So that's why I, I kind of like, I've seen, seen the game and I like it, but I've seen, I think there are people who may not go below because they don't want to take that risk, but I think they're missing the big fun part of the mm -hmm. game. So it's a game where I think you don't want to be super competitive. You kind of want to just try and win, but you want to take some chances and, and, and enjoy it, right? Yep. And there's tons of different ways to win, too. Like, you know, it's not just one one track. So, yeah. And I like that. Isn't that the one where people have to sleep? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. have to have enough beds. <laughs> to enough beds. I, to I don't know why I think your, that's funny, but I think that's yeah. the funniest part of that game. <laughs> or you use cider. Because <laughs> if you can't sleep, be drunk. Yeah, right. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then, Troy, I, I met up with you and Mike one night out at um, 42 Ale House, and you guys were wrapping something up just as I arrived. Yep. Uh, welcome back to the dungeon, which is the kind of sequel. I don't think it's an expansion. It's actually a sequel to the, there was a welcome to the dungeon game. Um, it's kind of an interesting take on the, take your adventure and into the dungeon, you know, you build the dungeon and then take your adventure through it and see if he lives kind of thing. It's a little bit of name your name, that tune. If for people, sorry, maybe going way back, right? If, <laughs> Josh, you even know what name that tune is. Yep. Name that tune in three notes. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. Right. 
Yeah, that was happy birthday. Okay, good job. <laughs> um, but, but basically, this so welcome back to the dungeon is you have the adventurers and they have certain powers and and equipment, and then you kind of between you and the other players, you kind of build the dungeon. You're picking cards and either putting them in the dungeon or you're taking stuff away from the adventurer that's going to go into the dungeon. Um, and then you kind of, at some point, either you pass and say, you know what, I don't think this guy's going to make it. And you get out. Or the person who's left actually then kind of takes the guy through the dungeon and see if, if he defeats it, then he gets kind of the, the bonus points and wins. Um, and if you win twice, if you get two guys to go through, then you win the game. Um, so Mike and I actually played two-player, which is interesting because you, then you end up in this kind of showdown around, all right, do you think he's going to go in or not? Um, to get there, so I can do it in ten. Moves. I can do it in ten. <laughs> ten moves. And really, what it is is like you know what what you're doing is you're putting monsters in the dungeon, um, but you don't know what monsters your opponent has put in the dungeon, or if you have multiple players, who else is what else people have put in the dungeon, and then you know what equipment the people the the adventurer has, but you can also take equipment away. So you might you know there's a big monster in there, and but the guy has a huge sword that you know can take him out, but then some other player may decide, hey, I'm going to take that sword away from him. And then you may go, well, because I know I put this big monster in the dungeon, I know that guy has no chance to win, so I'm going to be out, right? But you may not know that the the other guy put a real easy creature in the dungeon before that, and he thinks he can, and he's another, you know, equipment that'll actually get him a bonus to get to, through it. So it's really kind of, because it's, you've limited information, uh, and it's just kind of a risk, right? It's kind of uh, take a chance and see if you can go through it. So I, I think it's interesting. It's pretty a very lightweight. Um, you know, you play in, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I shouldn't say about probably about 30 minutes if you're going through with multiple people, but, uh, kind of interesting take on that whole, you know, dungeon delve kind of, kind of game. Um, so it was fun. I'd recommend it. Yeah. It's kind of in between kind of that filler game and, and full game yeah, kind of spec. Yellow made it right. Yeah. Yep. And they, they have pretty good production value. The yeah. It's nice. Cardstock's thick. Good. It's, um, well-made game. It, it looked interesting. Yeah, and I don't know what the price. The price is pretty. I think it can't be that expensive. It's just cards and, and other stuff. So yeah, um, uh, looks like yeah. I mean, it looks like it could be. It's probably under twenty bucks to pick up. Uh, Mike had also brought along uh, Mare Nostrum, which is ancient Mediterranean. I guess mm-hmm. I don't want to say ancient Greece because it's <laughs> they're have, just one one faction. Carthage and Rome and some of the ancient civilizations and legendary heroes of of those times. Um, and it, we we played a game of that. What I thought was interesting, other than you know dudes on a map, so to speak, uh, was that trade mechanic in that game mm-hmm. really Wasn't set that it apart. Super from, cool. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a trade phase where a player that chooses how many goods each player must bring to trade. So you can't choose to not participate. You have to put some of your stuff out there. Um, and then whatever you don't use is lost turn over turn. So you can't really hoard any resources. You have to be engaged in trading to complete mm-hmm. your sets, to expand your empire. Um, so yeah. it, was, it was a pretty fun empire building game. Combat was interesting. Um, the trade mechanic though was the that's the, best the really part. cool that part of that game yeah I mean because that was I, I really enjoyed it I think partly was the setting I, I really liked that kind of you know you had, you had like you said heroic Greece Romans Carthage all this I think um, people there so you had all those really cool characters I liked the theme um, and then I thought the trade mechanic was was to that really differential because otherwise like I'm not a huge fan of like that's kind of pure Euro you know 
figure stuff out. But there's really a lot of lot of moving enough moving parts to figure out what your strategy can be because there's a bunch of different ways to win, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the cool thing too. Like, you, and you have to be careful of how are different people winning. Um, because I think Ty, you ended up winning, but it was basically you guys knew I was on the edge of winning, and so it was how could you keep me from winning? But we also knew that Ty was probably on the edge. Mike was the only one who was trying to be a little bit of the spoiler. Um, but in the end, it was trying to see if you could keep me from winning, and then we knew Ty was pretty close to, to get there. Um, so I had a lot of fun with that. I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I was thinking, that's not a game that I would probably bring to the table, um, but I was, yeah, really, really happy with it. That was fun. And I, I think that's Academy Games. I'd have to double check. Yeah, I'm, but they I'll, do yeah. they do quite a bit of historical uh, board games, and this one was um, was accessible. It wasn't it wasn't too complicated, um, but a lot of different mechanics working together to to make for a, a fairly decent game. I mean, good game. Yeah, it was, it was good. Was and, yeah, I mean, and it's good. Really good, nice quality. I think there's a bunch of expansions uh, available for it too. Um, and I don't know if Mike had, I think he had some of them, but I don't know if we played with anything. Yeah. Um, I think he had kickstarted it. So maybe we did have some Kickstarter components in the game that we played. Um, but it was pretty, that was fun. Yeah, that was, I, again, I was a little bit surprised. Not, I shouldn't say surprised because I know Mike always brings good games so <laughs> to get there. But it's not, again, like I said, it's just not something that it's in my wheelhouse ex- exclusively, but I had, I had a lot of fun with it. And then, uh, Troy, you, you also have been doing some zombie side black plague yeah we had a game day at work um which was uh which was fun and i brought um my zombicide black plague with uh that we had talked about previous that josh had kind of used that uh name is leaving me nexus nexus oh wow now nexus i'm like where were we um but which all fully painted um i had my plastic um counters set that I got to break out, which is totally cool. I would recommend that. I happened I happen to pick that up at um, the Hobby Town n- nearby in my house um, on a on a whim. I'm like, why do they have this and I don't have it already? Um, <laughs> so that so fully blinged out um, all the plastic things. Played with some people who hadn't played before, um, and it was really it was. We ended up playing a pretty uh, fun scenario um, to get there to save. It was like save the zombies, I think something like that. So all the all the different. Uh, tokens or uh oh the, save the villagers save the villagers or each objective is yeah, a villager, objective is a and, villager yeah. and a couple of them and they can be already be bit and they can be bad things so we ended up winning that one and pulling it off but few two people were down to one wound stuff like that but it was fun I, it made me um i need to play that game more since we have all the stuff painted and everything else like that so we have a f- handful of tiles that are yes yeah, so the only thing i didn't have i didn't have josh's 3d tile set so I mean, well, let me know. I'll we'll see. I, I'm kind of throwing around whether we should run something at Gamehole Con, so I need to look and see if we can even still get a game in there. But that might be uh, might be something to do. Sweet. Uh, we also recently had a game night here, um, and you brought over the uh, Zia Zaya. I've heard it so many different mm-hmm. ways. I think I call it. I'm going to keep calling it Zia. I'm going to call it Zaya. That's Zaya. what I call it. So, All right. I'm with Troy. So, yeah, so whatever it is, um, <laughs> the, the expansion, uh, Embers of a Forsaken Star, uh, you brought over, and we mm-hmm. played with all, mostly all Mostly, of the yeah. Expansion. We left the economy. I think the economy yeah. expansion is one thing we didn't, one of the one things we yeah, didn't play. I know we've talked about that game at, at length, I think, before. So um, just a couple things on the expansion that were, were cool was the addition of 
the uh, space station mm-hmm. and the comets. That was kind yeah. of cool. Mm-hmm. You get into a sector and there'd be a gravitational pull on yeah. a comet that could collide with your ship. Um, cool. Some ice damage kind of sucks, but I, I, I like it. But it, man, it is it, it it's brutal. really brutal. It's yeah, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Turn one, I went and got got some ice. But damage. you won, so that ended up that was like a plan. I think I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I like that. That game is so much fun. And then I I went back and um, I tried to organize it to get it all to fit in the base box. the base box. I think I got it now. I got it better organized. Got some Plano boxes and. Things like that. Although on the website, I think, are one of the latest things. He did kind of give some suggestions of how to reconfigure the base box using the inserts that they have. Because it does have some decent inserts that you can kind of rearrange it to get the expansion to fit into the base box with there. So, um, so again, they, I want... Because I, I think we beat on a lot of games where they have terrible box control. But I think they tried to do pretty good here. Uh, but in the end, I kind of threw it all out and put Plano boxes in and stuff like that <laughs> to get it all to fit and be a little bit easier to manage. So <laughs> they did give you a lot of plastic bags in that game. Yeah, they did. Yeah, but I don't. It's kind of I don't know. We can go off on a tangent, right? I, sometimes plastic bags are good, but in the end, having a bunch of plastic bags can also be disorganized, right? It's kind of you're like, yeah, which which, which bag, bag is where? Is where? And, how do I, and, when you, and mostly, it's putting the stuff back in there, right? Yeah. How do I put all the stuff? Which bag does everything go back in and? And things like that. So um, we'll try. I think the Plano, little Plano cases will actually be a little bit easier to, to manage. Plastic bags do help when you have, uh, when you're recruiting friends to help pick up. You can just give them a bag <laughs> them here, a bag. Put, put these in there, right? <laughs> <laughs> cool. So last uh, Sunday, we, um, Eric, a uh, friend of the BOD, member of the BOD, um, has put together an uh, Age of Sigmar skirmish campaign. Um, and we had a kind of a kickoff last uh, Sunday over at Battle Brothers, which is a local, I'll call it a gaming club. I mean, it is a store, but in the end, it's really the closest thing we have to a club where they have a small storefront, uh, a bunch of tables, and it, they're open like uh, Thursday through Sunday. And they have a lot of miniature game stuff going on there. So really kind of a cool vibe going on there. So it was cool to kind of kick stuff off there. Um, but just a small um, uh, skirmish. I think we have six six to eight and i know josh and ty are, might be late to the party but i think we're gonna get them sucked in a little bit to play play a few games um but it was it was fun we just did start out with uh 25 renowned so that's you know anywhere from three to i think the most somebody had maybe it was six six or seven models um and got through, went through two kind of two rounds two turns I know I was in and out in like an hour and a half. <laughs> that just kind of says how simple it kind of skirmish is. But yeah, it was a blast. And in the end, the end, we're not being very competitive. And the whole idea is you got it. We got a lot of people who haven't played a lot of Age of Sigmar. It's just a way to kind of get their toe in in there, uh, make get them to have a couple models, start painting them, get things going. Um, so I, I think it'll be fun. I think the idea is pre- really a slow burn too. We're just talking about playing like two games a month. Um, over the next couple months then then to get there although it's going to scale up pretty quick i think you know because by the end people will have probably four times that much right so we'll probably have you know if people have 15 i shouldn't say that people could probably buy bigger models so people maybe probably still have only 10 or 12 models on the table but um, it'll be interesting to see how those games kind of go because i haven't played a lot at kind of that larger scale of, Mm -hmm. of skirmish to see how it goes so so again it's fun and i think the the goal there again is just get some of the people who haven't been playing a whole lot so um, like Marlon's kids were in there and a couple younger guys that 
uh, haven't done that. So again, if we can get them kind of into the skirmish thing, maybe they kind of build some armies and, and keep doing some stuff there. So, so it'll be fun. We'll keep people up to date on how that goes in the next couple months. Yeah, it's like the, the training ground for yeah. <laughs> Age, of, Age of Sigmar. <laughs> Hang out there and then get your uh, get your army to come and come play in the the big leagues. For sure. So so Ty, what's this what is that? Vinita? Vinetta, Vinetta. Uh Atlantis of the North. It's it, I'd never heard of it. Um I was over at Barry's the other night and we were looking for something that was relatively quick uh to play. And you take the role of a Norse god, and you're trying to sink this island. But you're given one of the nine districts that you have to protect, and then you have followers, and you get points for followers you save of your own. You get more points than followers of another god. But you're trying to keep relatively secret what district is yours and what followers are yours. So they're different colors, and the districts are you know there's outer ones and inner ones and then you're playing these cards that add up the flood level in that area and so you're manipulating the board state trying to destroy um the the island and save your own people so there's kind of this you know you're playing cards from a hand and you're you're trying to be sneaky you don't want to say you're the yellow followers you don't want to first move go and save two yellow followers because then it's clear what are yours and other people will then work against you to try to destroy those or destroy your district so it's pretty fun um i want to say it's a 6.1 on board game geek so it's not highly rated it's um but it, it was entertaining enough and there's enough strategy to it that it was it's pretty fun to play through so cool Yep. Um, cool. And I was just looking, who is that? That's uh, designer Immortal Eyes Game. So it's pretty small publisher? Yeah, small publisher. Um, I think it was made in 2007, 2008. Uh, had never heard of it. And I mean, I, I have a pretty broad board game knowledge. So when Barry suggested, I said, sure, let's Looks give it a shot. Looks kind of pretty, though. Yeah, art was cool. Um, the cards kind of explained what they did. Uh, the rules were simple enough to grasp. It was, um, it was fun. I'd definitely play it a, again, um, as opposed to some games where <laughs> you play them and you're like, yeah. So yet that's the city you're trying to sink. All right. Yeah, it's this uh, mythological island in the Atlantis of the North. Yep. All right. I never knew this. See, we're learning something about Norse mythology as we're playing. Yeah. yeah. How about it? <laughs> um and then what was really crazy is the other weekend we got together with mike johnston and drafted some magic cards yeah well, I, if it's mike johnston that's not that crazy <laughs> yeah well, well I, I sent josh a text and i said hey uh <laughs> you want to draft some magic cards <laughs> and i was like we're setting this up now <laughs> um yeah so friend of the show mike johnston uh guitarist for Fadeback. Um, he's also kind of a magic nerd and uh, <laughs> super nerd. Super nerd. He, he said, he, I've got a couple boxes of M2012 uh, or M12, uh, which is, yeah, they're the core set from, you know, six years ago, five years ago. 
Um, so yeah, he brought over some of that, and uh, Ty I brought, brought a, over. I bought a fat pack of the Amonkhet, the like Egyptian mm-hmm. one, because I thought that was cool. Yeah, so, so. the three of us kind of had a little draft and played some three three way magic. It was a little weird. Yeah, especially three way draft. It was yeah. definitely weird. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was fun. No, we weren't playing for high stakes yeah. or anything. So um, yeah, I think we all had our our own like kingmaker moments you know like yeah. oh well i'm not gonna win but i'm gonna take out this guy yeah. or whatever so um yeah it was it was definitely fun i had a i had a blast uh and totally would do it again i'm getting closer we'll talk about later i might have to actually buy some cards yeah. yes <laughs> yeah. love it um before we go totally overboard though and buy more magic right. cards we do have some hobby progress to yes. to talk about, or lack of, or lack of. I know several nights the last few weeks, I've I've sent the group text out, "Hey, I'm going to be doing some hobby. Whoever wants to get on and Google Hangout and and chat what we hobby." And what's always funny is seeing when Troy gets on what he's going to start working on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am like in this, and part of it is we'll talk a little bit about Warhammer Forty Thousand and all the coolness there has got me. Um, I called it hobby AP or analysis paralysis or hobby ADD where I'm just flopping between all these different things. Cause I basically can't decide like what cool thing should I, and it all, it's all this like, cause there's so many cool things to play. Cause in, it's like, should I put together my Necron army? So should I paint one of my Necron vehicles that's kind of half done or should I put together more marines or should i got i got this new primaris marines that i should put together or i have a stack of <laughs> we're gonna talk about, i have a stack of uh terrain that's like four feet tall and maybe i should build some of those boxes rather than just buy them and put them on a pile and so <laughs> <laughs> um and then it's like oh i really want to play my titan and he's like in 10 pieces but he's half assembled and i should put him together and paint um so <laughs> as you, I as you can see I need to somehow get to focus and I don't know what that is and maybe not maybe I should just keep bouncing around and get a little bit done on everything um but I did get my Sylvaneth and which is funny I I was totally in what I was I'm so frozen on 40k and what to work on that my Age of Sigmar stuff bubbled to the top I'm like well I know all <laughs> I need to do is kind of finish the basing on my Kerneth Hunters and I can call these guys done done and um, so that felt good. So I did get those guys good. And then I built a few tree revenants that I needed to do some of the skirmish um, skirmish guys. So I, I did get a little progress towards, again, stuff that I was going to play with uh, kind of immediately um, to get to. And then the hunters, it was just felt good because I basically started those guys in like Christmas time. So it's been a long burn to get them to kind of done, done. And a lot of times I get things 90% complete and they're, you know, so they're tabletop and good enough to go. But I've never done that, like that last bit to like, okay, really finished. And this was just like putting the grass and some kind of tufts and some tall grass and really kind of making the bases look really cool for those guys. So so that, that's my one, that's like my thing I actually got completed besides I think I built a um, container the other night. You that did. <laughs> you did complete a container. <laughs> um, Didn't you just cut it off the sprue though? No, it's glued together. All right. It's there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, and well, well, Troy's been deciding what to do. The other night, Matt got on, and he was uh, working on casting some resin ba- ice bases that look really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom had dabbled in some of his Eldar painting up as he and in, uh, or not Eldar, Eldari. We know it there. Uh, and I've I've been I finished assembling the 
Dark Imperium um, starter box. So I got the Primaris Marines all done, and I got all of the Death Guard uh, assembled. And I'm I'm doing it the right way. I kept like weapons off, so I'm gonna paint mm-hmm. them, and I'm actually gonna hobby to completion the the 40k right. stuff, and not just put it together and play with gray plastic. <laughs> yeah, I have to ask. Uh, give Matt. Uh, props for helping me because I had done some, I'd gotten some these cool res or cool objective markers um, from the mini stop guys when I had ordered all my 40k stuff that we'll talk about later. <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh, what can I do with these? And then I have these kind of round lip bases that again are not 40k at all, but I'm like, oh, you know, what I could do is stick these in kind of they were just regular objective markers or just kind of a hard paper and put them in the in these bases and that's really cool and i'm like oh i could put clear resin on top of these and this is really really cool so i'd done that but i'd done it late at night and as i after i did it i realized i didn't take the time to mix the resin right and i'm like you know what i don't know if that's going to come out right and it didn't it was a little sticky um and then i asked them like matt how can i and i'm like i think i could like maybe hit it with a varnish or something to kind of get rid of it and he's like oh just mix up new resin and pour it over top and so i did that and rescued him um, the other day, so that it was pretty good. Although I still got ninety percent because I didn't mix up quite enough resin, so I only got it like ninety five percent covered to get there. But I think they're very workable and they look pretty cool. It was kind of a, uh, it was like looking for a reason to use resin. But uh, the stuff Matt's doing is really cool with the bases too to make those ice bases. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely uh, very very cool for a Space Wolves army. Um, and when I finished Dark Imperium, then the other night I started on some more storm. I went back to my Stormcast Army project, which the more I think about it is probably what I'm going to try to do um, for a, a tournament in October. I don't know if I'll get it done though, so I really got to apply myself if I'm going to get a whole Stormcast Army done in two months. Yeah, you're right. It's about two months. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got about three. I mean, you got about eight, eight to nine yeah. weeks, right? Yeah. To- so. We'll, we'll see. I'd really have to get on the, the horse, though, because... Uh, Hobby hangout. That works, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, a couple, couple of us want to go to the Michigan GT that the Detroit Wargamers Club um, puts on and uh, smash smash around some models in, uh, <laughs> in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, one of the Hobby hangouts, I think it was... You were doing the the, the Stormcast Paladors. Um, yeah, I was putting together some, uh, some LVs some elves from uh mm-hmm. age of sigmar uh for skirmish um yeah i'm late to the game for the skirmish stuff but i i kind of i think i decided yeah i'm gonna i bought uh what what is the um the blood isle island of blood isle, island of blood old seventh edition starter box yeah mm-hmm. there was uh, it was one super cheap on ebay and it was just mm-hmm. the elves uh and i'm like oh perfect yes i will i will take those um and yeah it's just uh, there's some of them were assembled uh most were still on the sprue and um so yeah i put together the the reavers and yeah uh had a, had a lot of fun on hobby hangout with uh, with the boys so <laughs> that's it that's my favorite it it's it's such a great way to 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 hobby and like kind of chat with friends and keep everybody motivated right yeah it's just the social aspect of what can be a very boring individual pursuit um where usually i'll put on something on netflix or listen to a podcast but i'd much rather just kind of chat yeah and it worked yeah because what i have (laughs) 
that's the I'm going total tangent, right? But usually I'll put on like Westworld. But mm-hmm. the problem is I can't. I don't get any hobby done. No, like, Westworld's like, too zero, good. Right, it's too good. So I'm yep. like, either either can't watch anything good, which isn't useful, right? <laughs> or if I watch something good, then no hobby gets done. So <laughs> it's good. The only thing I don't do is my, if I'm airbrushing, I think it was Friday night I was airbrushing, but I wasn't on with you guys because I kept to be in the other part of the BOD to, to airbrush. Because I played with some airbrushing on my uh, tree revenants to get them done super fast. Now I need to go back and kind of touch them up a little bit, so... It was uh, it was an interesting experiment because my airbrushing is terrible. I wouldn't say terrible; it's just very, very basic. So, it, uh, I got some basically I got block kind of block colors on them, and then I'll have to go back and kind of clean them up. Cool. And then, uh, as as important as hobbying uh, is, there's purchasing, and I don't know who, but some somebody seems to have been doing a lot of that. So my credit card is <laughs> my credit cards. It's 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 melted. I think it's kind of hurt. So the problem the problem is the local hobby hobby town, um, which is one of our local in Wisconsin. That's one of the kind of local chains that carries a lot of gaming stuff or whatever. Um, the one out is going out of business. Basically, they're retiring. The people owned it retiring and. Uh, it was funny. They sent out a, a note. I don't know, probably three or four months ago, where they actually sent saying the franchise was for sale. And so for like three seconds, it was like, "Ooh, maybe we could own a hobby town." But <laughs> then, you know, five seconds later, like owning re- retail is like a stupid idea. Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> and especially owning a game store is not the way to be happy. Um, but so then now they've been retired and they're just liquidating everything. Um, and basically, I'm helping them liquidate, I guess. Um, <laughs> yes, so, yes, you are. <laughs> so I went over there and I picked up the, and I'm re- super excited. And if you look at our Twitter feed, you'd see um, I got their, basically their store, store Realm of Battle board um, that they used to play, that was there to play on. So I, I got that for like less than 50% off. Um, I saw that the first day and I'm like, all right, this has to come with me. Um, and we and then John and I ended up playing on that. We'll talk later uh, a little bit about that. Yeah, I um, think uh, just spray it over, paint it, dry brush, and yeah, and it's bring it up to it. It's it's ninety percent of it is painted well, and then there's just a few highlights that it was funny. I was talking to the guy who did, it, and he's like, "Yeah, back when we did it, one of my kids actually did some tried to do some of the stone, and so there's just a couple things I need to kind of go over and redo." Um, but like the ba- the most of it, yeah. like ninety percent of it, is actually re- done really well with a base and a dry brush. And he's like, "Yeah, I did that part." And then <laughs> he's like, "His kids did a couple other things, and they just, I just I just need to go back and touch that up on that." So it's super excited to have a Roma battle board, and it's like been a goal for like forever, right? Uh, to get that, and then I also grabbed their demo copy of Warhammer Quest Silver Tower. Um, all the miniatures are put together. Some are painted may have to touch up a little bit on that but some are painted really well and some are painted average but at least it's playable um and then i keep i kept going back because they've been having more and more <laughs> sales right it was like 20 percent off then 30 percent off and uh whatever so i grabbed a whole bunch of the um shadow war armageddon terrain uh, that's why i talk about this four foot basically stack of terrain that i have in the basement now to, to work on <laughs> <laughs> um, to get like that, so so that was kind of, and then I did pick up. There was an uh, Astra Militarum start collecting set that was there at like fifty percent off. 
Oh, that's a good deal. Yeah, and and I'm because then again in my back of my mind I'm like, oh, I should do it. I'm like half of a gene stealer cult army, and it'd be really cool to use those guys to kind of flesh it out, right? So mm-hmm. we'll see if that ever happens. You guys can call me on it whether I ever actually build the rest of the, <laughs> the gene stealer cult army. So we'll see, but. But I have it in a box sitting there that I got super cheap, right, to get there. Um, and then the other stuff that I've been getting, of course, when 40K came out, I got the starter set and all the indices. Yeah, me, um, me too. To get that. So <laughs> that was that was a pretty easy buy. Um, and then board games, they actually sold out of their board games, like, super fast. It was amazing how much they, like, people just, like, cleaned house on. Because they had a pretty good uh, inventory of board games. Um but I did pick up Galaxy Trucker, which is a game, a game that I've always heard about and been pretty good. And it was, again, at le- like 50%. And I'm like, all right, I can't. I won't pass that up and to grab that. And then our Minsure Market, um, mostly I'll blame the guys at Seeker Cabal because they talked about Elfin Road the other day. And that's a, a game that Elena did the artwork for. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, why do I not own this game? So. Mm-hmm. And then Minsure Market, like, well, while I'm ordering from Minsure Market, I might as well order a hundred dollars so i get free shipping because that's like free money right no yeah. not really I mean, yeah it kind of right sure. i don't know it, that's it's backward logic so um and then i also gra- so I also grabbed the dresden card game because that was something i was going to kickstart way back in the end but i, I kind of held off and i'm thinking i'll just get this at retail and see how because i wasn't sure how, how really good it was going to be but uh and then i grabbed clank um because i've just heard really really good things about that game yeah. and so I'm really excited to kind of get that to game. So you may hear in future episodes of us reviewing some of those games that came in the shrink wrap just uh, actually today. Those showed up. So I'm, I'm I'm really happy to hear that you picked up Clank because it's been in my Amazon cart for a while. <laughs> and I just haven't clicked the, uh, yeah. the buy it button. It, what happens is like there's one thing that'll tip me at Mansion Market and then... I have to, and I run the cart because it's like I'm not going to pay for shipping from these guys. It doesn't yeah. make any <laughs> any sense. So then I just fill it. I know I always have two or three things that are on that edge, and I just fill up the cart and go right. Um, Excellent. Okay, like good. That. So so that's it. And of course, I'll be working a second job to kind of pay for all this stuff. But but again, it mostly is lots. This is just that liquidation. That like I, it's hard to pass up the stuff at a huge discount. So yeah. Yeah. Plus, you had some room after the Nexus uh, auction. Mm-hmm. You made some room in. Your, yes, your I did, and I did just get rid of the um, RuneQuest. Uh, whatever was it? Rune Wars. Rune Wars. Rune Wars. Rune Wars did you eBay? Or? I eBayed it. Yeah. How much did you get? Um, I think I'll clear about forty-five dollars, something like that. Forty-four or five dollars. So. Do you want to sell mine on eBay? It's easy. It's easy to do if that's what you want. It's, it's easy enough, enough to do. I'm like, I got it for free, so anything I get for it is is kind of free money. Um, yeah, and I, I haven't bought anything other than, I mean, 40K 8th edition starter box and all of the, the indexes. So That's plenty. Yeah, I mean, um, I felt good about that. Oh, and I, I did buy a bunch of, like, paint, too, because they were getting rid of all their paint. So okay. I just would, like, here's all these random colors I may need someday. <laughs> um, Josh, have you bought any new games or anything? Um, no new games, but, uh we uh kind of dive into the kickstarter realm yeah absolutely i I love kickstarter i don't have a problem like troy but (laughs) (laughs) well we may have tipped our hand uh earlier in the episode but uh the duchess arrived um 
Do you mean the hot box of Kickstarter campaigns? <laughs> the hot box of Kickstarter <laughs> campaigns. All right. You have to go way back for that one. Going going way back. Uh, last Gen Con, uh, I ordered hot box pizza. Uh, it never arrived. It never yeah. arrived. I'll, I'll, I'll add the link in the show notes to the, uh, the games, old episode. Games booze and oh, episode. It yeah. was the worst. I was so mad. <laughs> yeah, so, so I was what, so hungry. It was funny. as waiting for this table to arrive getting the updates or not getting the updates yeah right for months and months beyond when they said they were first because you originally thought you were going to have this back in january right so uh you know since i was kind of later in the uh, i didn't i didn't kickstart it right away kind of kickstarted about halfway through i figured okay february and the end of february is my birthday so i'm like okay well i'll probably get it by my birthday and then you know, I kept getting updates like, oh, hey, production's delayed, blah, blah, blah. Real, real quick, just I'd like the record to show it is now mid-July. <laughs> yeah, it's mid-July. Mid-July. Um, it looks nice, though. You have it is good. On. It's, it's a good-sized table. Yep. yep. Seems sturdy. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll play games on this. Yeah, we'll, to, we'll play a game on it, and then we'll give a full review. Yeah, yeah for sure. For yep. sure. And I, I think they did a pretty good job for, uh, you know, a large production run. Um, you know, there's a few touch-ups that I, I want to do with uh, maybe some stain. They missed null a couple. Oil. Yeah, a little null oil <laughs> in a few spots. But for the most part, I, I really like it. And, um, you know, the I, I, we talked about this in the uh, earlier podcast, but um, the cheapo chairs I got from Walmart that are really They're comfortable. N- don't I- Cheapo is a bad name. I don't know what you got. Super deal. I don't know what yeah, you call super them. Super deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they seem to match fairly well. I mean, they they're not too crazy. Right. Cheapo sounds derogatory, and not at all. These are the best chairs in the world. Yeah. For whatever you paid for them. We yeah. I, Two dollars. Yeah. Like thirty thirty five bucks <laughs> oh, a piece okay. or something. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh it's a good setup. Yeah. We'll have to do a game night now for sure. And, and Duncan will be doing a video on how to paint your Duchess table using GW paint. <laughs> <laughs> Two thin coats. How to touch up, touch the, up, uh, touch up the stain. How to stain using GW washes. <laughs> and GW would love that. And if you, yeah, you don't you need to buy 12, 12 bottles of the uh, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Adrak Earth, Adrak Earth shade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of Kickstarter, though, a couple other campaigns. Green Horde wrapped up. I got in on that. Troy got in on that. Josh, ridiculous stuff in there. I honestly forgot, and then I realized the the day after. That's right. You can late. Yeah, I late bet pledge. you there's still late pledge. You oh, should you look. Late pledge. I would look. Ne- I haven't looked up, today. They opened up late pledge the hour after. Yeah. Oh, really? I, the Kickstarter closed. I have not looked today, but it's probably still it's available. Probably I'll go. Still I'll go available. check it out. I'll go check it out. Yeah, ridiculous stuff. In, yeah, in there, there's tons of models. I was actually kind of mad. I I heard that. It was over, and I was like, I didn't even look. I was, I was like, ah, crap, I missed it. So, okay, I'll go check. What five million dollars? Isn't it, it number I, one? I didn't know. it make number one? It beat. Uh, sorry, I'm missing. What's the Japan game? The, the other Simon game that just finished. Oh, Rising Sun. Rising Sun. Um, yeah, I think it beat Rising Sun, and it became the number one until the next thing that they do. Yeah, but. yeah, just crazy, <laughs> just crazy. Um, and then Troy, did you back this next one? No, this is actually not even out yet. So oh. we're trying to actually be proactive and actually not talking about Kickstarter's already finished because for listeners, that's not usually useful. Not fun. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Here, here's one coming up. Here's one coming up. So Tiny Epic Defenders, um, by Gameland Games, Tiny Epic, um, the Dark War, which is the, 
It sounds like what they're doing is they're kind of tweaking um, Titan Epic Defenders and adding kind of an expansion to it to to make it. I, I mean, I kind of like Titan Epic Defenders, but it's not the greatest game in the world. I mean, it's a co-op. You're fighting against the game. It's hard. It's, that's the part that makes it fun is it's really hard to win. I mean, you, yeah. I think you win maybe 20% of the time, I think. It's the tower defense one, right? Yeah, kind of. T- yeah. yeah. It, it's, you have to protect the city and you, the the outskirts cards kind of all degrade. And you have to jump around between the different um, locations. And you're just kind of going through the deck. And then they have kind of the big boss monsters that you have to defeat to right. to get to the end. Um and it looks like Dark War tries to make add a little bit more complexity and, and make it a little bit more. The only thing we found with Defenders, it ends up, even though you're playing co-op, it kind of feels like a little, almost like a little bit like a solo game. Like it ends up being like you just all kind of figure out what's the strategy and what's the best thing for. You're for in that you, zone. You, I'm you, in this zone. I'm in this zone. You're like there. you're all kind of like it, really you're all kind of really playing against the game yep. together. And it's not like you have individual a lot of. Um, difference individually that you're doing that you're not kind of working with everybody else so it kind of has the alpha gamer kind of somebody can kind of just take control and like hey you need to go here you need to go there uh, and, and and that's the only way you can kind of do it because it is a hard game um, to get there so it sounds like dark ward may add some stuff to it um, to make it better so now we game like games are pretty good again in the end they end up being like 20 bucks whatever so it even if they're not like the greatest games in the world it, it pretty easy to kind of throw some money at it and, and take a look and they do a nice nice quality and usually have some good stuff in there so i think that's coming a little later in the summer kind of late summer early fall maybe when they're going to release that so very cool true dungeon oh yeah uh yeah i purchased some tokens for true dungeon to try to because we weren't powerful enough we're, we weren't powerful well I'm we set the over under on josh's purchase Three hundred dollars. Troy, you taking the over or the mm, under? Over. Slightly over, yeah. <laughs> Slightly over. Pretty good odds making, that was, right? That was good. That was good. Um, yeah. No, so we've been talking about doing nightmare level. Mm-hmm. Like we've been doing like hardcore, yep. and that's been fairly easy. Too easy. Yep, too easy. Nightmare is like a. It's like a two step up. But I'm really. scared. Yeah. It's it's gonna be awesome. I'm not. Scared. I'm scared. So we. So myself. Uh, Marlon and Mike Johnston, friends of the show, um, have our our marching orders to make sure that we buy tokens. To, so <laughs> we're trying to make everybody a little bit better. The, you guys are the pliers. We just we're yeah. just warm bodies. We're, we're the show we're up. the dealers. Yeah, yeah. We just show up and let you guys every play your game. Every great champion has a promoter, Troy. Yep. No. <laughs> every every great champion has. You know, a manager getting them the fights, getting them the training camps. Yep, and that's what my wizard is. He's a gun for hire, and uh, Tyfurious. You know, the the team decides to equip me how they see fit, and then I just sling the spells. <laughs> good. So yeah, we're I we're gonna be nightmare. nightmare we're gonna do nightmare, nightmare equipped. Cool. We're going. Dying, we're dying in the third room. No, we're doing this. We're crushing it. I think we'll be good. We'll I'm be, gonna resurrect. I think myself. we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. <laughs> I'm excited. That this is to me so much fun, mostly because it's just like our whole group. Like, yeah, it's going right. to be so much fun. Right. It, I may then retire undefeated from True Dungeon, but <laughs> plus the Rothfuss world, I think that's oh, going to be think fun. That's going to be cool. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, excellent. More well, to come next episode in our Gen Con preview. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Gen Con fifty, the sellout. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, a couple other things before we dive into the main topic that I just want to touch on. Um, uh, One being, you know, our our friends at Anvil 8 Games. Um, It was pretty cool to see the the press they're getting out Mm -hmm. west. I think it's in Utah. Yep. Um, It's actually on... Is it on TV? It's on real TV on yeah. CW, the CW channel, CW somewhere out there in Salt Lake. Lake. Yeah, uh, the Geeker Review featured them. Um, a little segment late night. It's like eleven thirty at night mm-hmm. Pacific time, uh, but they also had it online. I think on their mm-hmm. YouTube channel. Yeah, or and something. The, yeah, the Geeker Review. I think they're they have a like yeah YouTube channel that's also available through whatever any of your streaming media that you have out there. You can yeah. take a look at it, and they looks like they cover besides Anvilate, they cover a lot any. Any of the other other gaming type things like that, and other geeky type uh, type things in there. So uh, again, I I just I, I got into it because I saw the stuff Ranville Eight. Yeah, um, looks like it's interesting thing to kind of check out. Uh, yeah, on they, YouTube. They did a feature whatever. on both of their game flagship mm-hmm. games, the Ethereum um, board game and Frontline No Comrades, their their card game. So definitely check that out on on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And Troy, you told me about this last night, and I I went and watched it. It's it's pretty cool. Is it's really really cool. Uh, the show is Dungeon Life. It's a YouTube series, um, and we think they're out of Seattle. Yeah, because it just seems because they have pretty good access to a lot of the the Wizards of the Coast guys and D and D, you know, silt, whatever, whatever uh, luminaries. That's probably the best word, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they did a segment with Mike Merles where he talked about um, his homebrew initiative system. Uh, which is, and I wouldn't say home right, homebrew. Right, what he did is he went back and he resurrected some of the old stuff from like yeah, he, second edition because he ran something like this stuff. in his home game too mm-hmm. to get some feedback. And it sounds like that's where he does some of his playtesting, okay. some of the unearthed arcana stuff. Yeah. Um, but it was it was cool to hear him talk about that kind of bonus action, some of the things and the rules that he would do different if they were going to do another mm-hmm. edition. Not at all that they are, are anytime right, soon, right. But if he were to go back, what he would change, and as as the kind of lead, you know, lead designer of the um, current fifth edition, it was cool to hear his take on that. Yeah, a lot of really cool stuff around. Again, the initiative system, his thoughts on the bonus action were really interesting. I, and what I talked to Ty about was we. It's like I see some correlations there between what his th- thoughts are and what they did, kind of foreshadowing what they did in Warhammer 40k in terms of how do you streamline kind of the rules and rather than having a generic rule like bonus action and and supplementing that replacing that with specific rules that are tied to more classes or things like that or in the case of 40ks we'll talk about kind of taking universal special rules and turning them into data you know data slate rules that are specific to each each unit right and and that was funny was i watched it was not looking for that but all of a sudden i had this kind of like wow there's kind of interesting kind of symmetry there between those two things um and then a little bit too again in the title he talks a little bit about what is broken in a when you talk about broken it's different in a role-playing game versus what it is in like a miniature game or other competitive kind of type style right um so i was thinking some really interesting so i just recommend that right I, I would listen to Mike Morrell's talk anytime, anywhere. Um, and it was just really interesting to hear him talk on this stuff because it's really kind of not on the current D&D at all. It's really him thinking about what would you change about D&D and not saying that they're at all ever thinking about it even in the near future, but just really cool to hear his, his yeah, thoughts on that stuff. I, th- I think anytime you get a game designer to talk about the process mm-hmm. and about 
the analysis of their game and how they would tweak and what they would change. It's it's cool dialogue yep. um, to kind of pull back the the top layer and see into the nuts and bolts of the the system and how how they think about their system. Um, that's why I've really enjoyed when the designers and developers have been on uh, the Warhammer Live, the Twitch yep. uh, stuff, and you hear them talk about the design process and and things so yeah cool and we've had brian here right even yeah. about uh, ethereum and things like that totally cool so and i we will have all those links in the show notes because i recommend yeah go check that stuff out really really cool really enjoyable yeah absolutely um and then kind of big news yeah. uh that is really cool is the new magic the gathering set just released um hour of devastation um pre-release weekend was this this last weekend i mean we're here we are middle of july now um, and it was the first print run of Elena's new new card. Her first magic card uh, debuted, and it's actually a it has a lot of utility. The card Supreme Will. Um, it it has a counter mechanic or draw the top four of your deck, search for a card you want, put the rest at the bottom. So there's a dual utility. Um, and the early press is it was in the spoilers when they released the spoilers <laughs> for the set. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of talk about it being the current standard in like a blue mm-hmm. control, like a four of auto yeah. include any blue deck you're putting in current standard. So absolutely. Um, and it's, it, it's definitely a high draft card too. Yep. Like in, in draft sets, uh, since it's kind of, you can do one thing or another, yeah, like three, three costs. It's two, two, colorless and yeah. blue um so it's it's a cool card the arts this this big staff which is supreme will yeah. being held and some cool uh, landscape in the background and this kind of wizard looking mm-hmm. guy just holding this massive staff yeah. that's in the foreground um so it's a really cool card uh congrats to to elena yeah. that's just awesome you know she's been doing a lot of um art for different games yeah. and to to get her magic card is it's pretty awesome. Can't wait to crack as many open as I can and get them signed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm super geeked for her. Um, but for now, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to freshen up our drinks. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the eighth edition of Warhammer 40,000. Welcome back from the break it is with my great pleasure that i introduce to you our main topic for tonight's show lots of things get great when they turn eight and 40k is amazing eighth edition is here we're going to talk about some of the changes some of the new stuff um try to avoid some of the you know deep um rules discussion that that's been out there and just kind of highlight some of the the things we've seen and then talk about some of our experiences with our early games of eighth edition which is still you know what a handful of weeks old so it's still in its infancy the meta is evolving and you can hear plenty of people talk about list design and um, what it's going to do for the tournament scene like the uh the american team championship is coming up um so i'm sure we'll see a lot come out of that but we'd like to talk about is focus on the dark imperium starter box some of the big changes of the edition um and and just get into what you know what ultimately i i think is the finest edition yet of 40k and i i haven't been as playing as as long as you have troy i think i got into it sometime end of second early third um but this is by far the the best edition that that i think i've 
I've played. Yeah, and I think we're and we'll I don't want to jump ahead too much, but yeah, I would agree. I think eighth edition. There's so many people excited, including us, right? Um, that it it's the biggest change probably from when they went from second to third um, in terms of the the changes and and how much is affecting the game. But it's even better. I mean, like they've done because I, I wouldn't necessarily. They needed to do the change when they made the jump from second to third. Um, but I don't know that they made the best decisions back in the, in those days in terms of making the gameplay. But eighth is just seems like it's so much fun and people are so excited about it. And and it's really cool to kind of get the the energy back into the the forty k thing. And in in terms of the basement of death, like forty k was the game that brought us together. That's the game that created the basement of death. Was For sure. kind of <laughs> yep. was kind of thing. And that was early, kind of er, very early fifth edition. I think was out when we back in the day when when everything got together um and then we saw the things kind of wane as we went through the end of fifth and the sixth sixth and seventh never really had a lot of traction because there was just you know so much stuff that was broken there and a lot of complexity and, 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 and a lot of, a lot of rules bloat yeah uh speed getting of play wasn't there and and then sigmar launched and yep. i went you know fully into that and um which is something something we'll kind of talk about is what they what they saw was very successful in Age of Sigmar that they did bring over to Eighth. But um, before we get into some of the key changes of the edition, I think it's important to talk about um, the starter box that they released yep. and some of the initial product offerings. Um, Dark Imperium was the box set. In, in that box set, you got a ton of stuff. Um, it featured the Primaris Space Marines. Um, the new, better, enhanced Space Marine yes. that uh, Gilliam put an order in 10,000 years ago with <laughs> Belisarius Call and the Forge Roads of the Adeptus Mechanicus, and they started coming oh, off God. the lines. Now, I, I don't know what technology out there has taken 10,000 years to develop, yep. but um, <laughs> it's worth it because the Primaris Marines look awesome. They have some new weapons. <laughs> uh, the scale on them is just amazing. Uh, holding up a new marine to the old marine the hunchback tactical marine with the bolter across his chest versus these dynamically posed primaris marines is and they have one less stomach right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um uh but you get you get a um captain two lieutenants a primaris ancient you get three intercessors which are like the new jump pack with dual kind of assault uh bolt guns um five hell blasters which are they have plasma guns, so they're kind of a special weapon squad. And then I think five of the um, is it intercessor? Is that the regular one? And interceptor is the the jump pack. I, I forget. The uh, yeah, very similar I don't name. Know that but it, yep. you get a fair amount of Primaris Marines. Um, and then what is, is I think is the coolest is the Death Guard. Um, <laughs> they're they're getting love finally. One of the Traitor Legions. Um, they're going to get their own codex. They're they're featured in the starter box. You get seven. That's the the magic mm-hmm. number for Nurgle. Uh, Plague Marines, twenty Pox Walkers, a cool bloat drone, um, and then a few of their characters: Lord of Contagion, Malignant Plague Caster, and a noxious uh, Blightbringer, um, which you know is a pretty good starting force um, for for each. And then the hardcover rule book yep. is in the, in the, the starter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just an awesome book. I don't know if you've had a chance to start reading through the the new fluff in there, the lore. 
Yeah, no, really, yeah, really cool. And I haven't, I've just, I've kind of skimmed through it. I haven't dug in deep, but I think that was really what put this starter box in. A lot of people are like, this is the best starter box ever. And yeah. really that what tips it is none of, nothing before any of the, whatever, seven editions before had that a hardcover rule book in the actual starter box, right? Along with the excellent miniatures that we've never well, seen, you know. Well, you think, you think about it, you've got... Each forest got about five what are going to be blisters or boxes of models, each side, the Primaris and the, the Death mm-hmm. Guard. So you're talking about a couple hundred dollars in product Sorry. if it's boxed separately. Yep. And then the $60 roughly mm-hmm. hardcover rule, rule book, book. Um, not to mention the, the little mini books, which aren't the, the old, like, plain black and white paper. They're actually color decent soft cover right. books for each of the factions um and no range i was very happy that there wasn't the old red plastic <laughs> rangefinder that ended up just being weapons yeah um it was funny i just cut one of those up as a stir stick the other day <laughs> i remember several times that we would actually use them just to hit each other when we were like teenagers we would lash somebody with them. Gene Steeler baseball. Gene Steeler baseball. baseball. Yep. Yeah. yep. Oh. <laughs> uh, but the the quality and what was awesome too is you open the box and it was sealed. Oh. There was a purity seal that closed the inner box that you had to, oh, to break to open great. up the, the box. So yeah, really nice presentation on the whole packaging that they put together in the starter box. So yeah, I think this is the best starter ever. Um, the only one I would maybe put up against is a little bit was the the fifth edition started the battle or is that fourth was Battle of McCraig that had kind of the cool scenery that I've still used that mm-hmm. that has the craft spaceship and things like that they get there but that didn't have like a cool rule book or this cool packaging and stuff like that so again they they took everything in the past and really just upped it another notch and the models the models are absolutely oh, amazing wonderful they're not the old generic kind of yep. snap fit it's but they're still easy to put they're together. They're easy to assemble, yep. and they're fantastic quality. So they've been a lot of fun the, to put together. Kind of talked about that in the hobby. That mm-hmm. that's been the last couple nights where I've spent a couple hours each each night to get them assembled. Um, but yeah, so uh, the price point is is pretty good considering mm-hmm. what you get. I yep. want to say it was around. Uh, I think it's one sixty retail. One fifty. One sixty yeah. retail. But you should never pay that. Probably you can probably get it at least. 15 20 percent discount unless you like to support your local games yep. workshop because it's an important mainstay yeah. in your hobby community <laughs> this is true very true um so when are you getting yours josh have we sold you yeah i'll, I'll go buy one for sure nice uh, josh is buying one yeah and he's gonna give me the marines and the, <laughs> the guard. i'll just, just keep the, the rule book hand it off to you guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just feel like oh here's my 160 for the rule book <laughs> yeah right okay because cool. you don't need you don't need those other ones you have plenty of right. other 40k matches right. <laughs> <laughs> um so when they did the release too the first day they did a 24 hour live stream on Warhammer Live yeah yep. uh, had designers developers guys from the studio games I mean it was a marathon yeah. uh, broadcast on on their Twitch. Yeah, it was so much fun. And actually, what that day, um, that night, the Friday night before, between they had released enough stuff in terms of base rules, and there were kind of leaks around enough armies that basically John and I played our first game that night. <laughs> basically, we didn't have the actual rules in our hands yet, but we had enough 
information that they had released to at least put some models on the table. They had the ba- you, know, you had the base rule set out there ready that you mm-hmm. could get your hands on to walk through. So it was totally cool to kind of have that Twitch stream going in the background as we were as we were playing uh, our first game. So it was a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I what I think would be important to um, to then go into are some of the key changes in Eighth Edition. So people that are are not familiar, I don't know if any of our listeners aren't familiar with Forty K, but it had been very, very rules heavy, um, and there was a lot of special rules. You had to do a lot of reference in, into the the book. Um, and what Eighth Edition seems to have done is streamline everything and just make it a little more intuitive, and and give you the special rules you need on your data sheets. Um, and the the core the core rules of the game are twelve pages, so it's less clunky. Yeah, and I've I've seen like one guy I tweeted out a, a, a week or so ago. A guy did a one page reference, kind of flowchart mm-hmm. of each phase of the turn and how it works, and it's one page, and it's all you need to sit down and play. Um, play the new edition um they've also advanced the lore i think about 100 years 150 years yeah, somewhere it had like been. about 100 yep uh and the front half of the rule book really gets into that in depth and it's actually really good reading it's it's yep. classic games workshop i guarantee they brought in the black library guys right. to write some of it um and there's little easter eggs hidden too uh, one of the pages has uh, a craft world of the Eldari that is redacted. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and the, so there's that whole concept that some of the craft worlds fell to chaos yeah. and that Slanesh might be an Eldar. Yeah. Like, there's that whole storyline, yeah. and they redact this craft world from, <laughs> from the page. And then you go to the next thing, and it talks about how the Imperium registers Xenos and different races. And so there's, there's just a lot of cool mm-hmm. content. Yeah, I mean, it's that whole front of that hardcover rule book is the lore for every single um, faction that you have in the game, which is is totally cool. There's a ton if you're not familiar, but even as you know, experienced players, you want to go through that because they have moved the lore finally ahead just you know a little bit. You do want to kind of read through all the lore and see what they've changed a little bit and and what's the new take on on all the different factions. So. And and what Super they cool. what they do too with the storyline that they advance is there's a new rift that has split mm-hmm. the galaxy in half, separating the forces of the Imperium. You have Terra on one side, and then the outlying planets like Ball with the Blood Angels, and uh, I think the Rock, the Dark Angels stronghold. Yeah, and they kind of pick up from the end of Seventh Edition, the Gathering Storm, the three books that they did at the end of Seventh. Yeah, um, kind of set up that whole. The, the the formation of the rift the that sick, happens the cicatrix yeah. maledictum. <laughs> well, I'm glad uh, you can say it. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> uh, and Gilliam starts his Indominatus crusade okay. to to bring the Primaris legions to the planets and start fighting back the the chaos that are coming out of this new eye of terror in essence. Yeah. So yeah, more than an eye, a huge yeah. huge rift like half the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. It splits the galaxy in half basically. So the maps updated everything. Um, Games Workshop is starting a uh, like a summer campaign, the fall of I think the fall of Conor or Conor, yep. uh, which will take place on six planets. And as you play, you register your results at a local store, or as you paint units, you register in it. How the points build up for the factions will change what they do with the story. That's um, cool. Anything else on the lore? I, um, I would. I I have not read it, but I've heard really good things about the Dark Imperium book. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I'm probably going to pick that up and, and, and read that. In the past, a lot of times the, the kind of the tie-in book with the, the, the kind of the starter box was not, it was average, but I've heard this is really good uh, in terms of Dark Imperium. Uh, so I picked that. I think it's Guy Haley who wrote that. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the main authors at Black Library. So really, really cool. Excited to pick that up. <laughs> Sorry, I'm uh, I'm like glowing as I describe Eighth Edition. <laughs> um, the The book then leads into uh, kind of the the three ways to play that was really mm-hmm. brought to prevalence in Games Workshops um, General's Handbook yeah. for Age of Sigmar last uh, last summer, um, and, and it goes into how you can play Eighth Edition 40k in an open format using uh, power level um, to get roughly yeah. the same um, army builds. Uh, narrative play strictly based on advancing the story forging your own narrative um and then matched play the tournament style detailed list building with points um and it provides mission types for each of those ways to play different objectives different i mean the depth in the new mission maps and how they play they're just really cool and the different uh deployment yeah, things that they've set up. That's really cool. Just giving you more and, variation and, and on each, the deployment. Each mission can the the player that wins the role chooses yep. the deployment map. So it's not like you're guaranteed to play this deployment right. map this mission. The one player can choose how you deploy one of six ways. Yeah, um, and the new thing they just released this week that we were recording is kind of is that deck for the open, open war that open war deck, which gives you more variation on the kind of scenarios that you're. Yeah, doing. you can so draw really a card cool. for deployment. You can draw a card for the shared objective. You can draw a yeah. card for you know why you're fighting a little narrative, and it sets up the game for you. So it's it's a it's something crazy like yeah. forty thousand different combinations. Yeah. And pretty cool. I mean, you're not going to see that in like the tournament competitive play, no. but I think that's going to be a lot of fun for playing in the hey in let's your bring 1500 points and, and just play. throw down and, and you play. draw the deck yep. out and you go here 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 okay set up play yep and i've messed around a little with power level it's kind of cool to see what power level you can get out of your list if you build a 2000 point list to see how high you oh, can spike up f- your power level because <laughs> um, because list construction is is um you know well uh, maybe we just move into that the um the way that you can build your battleforged armies now from match play. Yeah, and then what was interesting again, and I think I was thought that we would see the formations continue. The formations that were you know introduced in seventh, right? We saw different mm-hmm. formations for everything. Um, and and I thought, and that was I was thought I was really surprised when that those were not kind of continued in eighth. But when you look at what they did. It makes a lot of sense. Like they did again, the continuing the idea of kind of simplifying the rules and not creating as much complexity um, is they still have the idea of t- detachments, but they're really they're generic detachments that every faction can use um, to build their army. And there are lots of variations in those, uh, and that's what creates kind of the variation yeah, for how you can nine, build your army. Nine so. or ten different detachments. You can combine multiple d- detachments. Right. Each detachment adds command points. Right. So command points are used to use stratagems, which can be a re-roll. They can be a redeploy, right. like different ways to manipulate the game. Yep. And the detachment. And you can build any kind of, basically with the different types of detachments that are available, you can build any kind of 
type of army that you want. Do you want to do a bunch of super heavies? Oh, guess what? There's a super heavy detachment that you can use doing that. You want a uh, whole my, bunch of troop yeah. units. Guess what? There's a detachment there, and you get One of my favorites there. is the uh, Supreme Command detachment. It's like three to five HQ, so you can bring three of those mm. and just have all heroes oh, yeah. <laughs> with a little <laughs> bit of support. Um, so there, there's some cool mechanics there. And then they, they did data sheets for yep. each of the units. And that data sheet contains all of the possible weapons, the stats. Each each unit has their own stat line now, including a movement value, yep. which is one of the key yep. differences. So, you know, Eldar can move six. Space Marines can move whatever. Yeah. Death Guard can move four. Six, yep. So, I mean, they, they went to the Sigmar style movement. Yeah. And we, we kind of figured movement. that was coming from AOS, right? With the War Scrolls in AOS, we figured that that was one of the big things that they had that turned out there. And we were, you know, yeah. re- really expecting that 40 K was going to go to the data sheets yeah, just and, to, to and streamline the rules and to make it. Yeah. And as I, the really thing is you went away now, the, all the universal special rules where you had to kind of figure out or memorize, memorize this list of, I don't know what there were 30, probably different, you know, <sighs> yeah, uh, universal endless. special rules, right? Those all now are gone. And basically, They've moved to the individual data sheets for each unit, but what they basically gives us is GW has more now flexibility to kind of tweak the rules for each individual unit to make them a little bit, into, you know, give them differentiation and special and make them really play the way they you think they should play. I think that's what we're seeing a lot of is there's a lot of synergy between how people think the unit should act and the way that they're actually the rules are for the unit. Um, so the way you, you read about the unit in some book or something else like that, and now it actually plays a little bit closer to what you'd expect to it because they can tweak the the rules for that unit and not be yeah. kind of constrained by having this kind of set of universal special rules that they have to apply to different units. And and with those data sheets, what's really cool too is the, the power level in the upper left, mm-hmm. just the generic value of this unit would be worth this yeah. power level. And it's not the finesse of I add a flamer, that's seven points. I do this, yeah. it's four points. It's this is the general power level of this data sheet. Put it in the play and and build your list just using power level. Like you could do a totally open yep. style list build and not do battle forged and bring fifty power level, seventy five yep. power level. Yeah, and you can do, and there's a combination, right? Yeah, I can do a battle forge using power level. Like quickly, like, hey, yeah, let's just throw down whatever mm-hmm. eighty power level, get a game out, get a game down quick, and and again, there may be a little bit imbalance, but it probably works itself out, right? I think I've heard a lot. I I haven't played power level exclusively yet, but I think a lot of people I've heard that really it's worked out good. Like they've said, oh my god, you know, this is totally. My opponent had eighty, and I had eighty, and it didn't work at all, right? seems like everybody's had really kind of good games playing with just power level if you just want to throw down. Yeah, it's right. not totally imbalanced. Right. right. It's, there's enough enough other variation that's going to work itself it's, out. It's almost like they've been playtesting this for a couple of years with some <laughs> very high-profile uh, yeah. tournament TOs. And, yeah. and I'm sure you can um, abuse players. it. If somebody looks hard enough, I'm sure they can abuse it. But it's really like, again, again, it's there's a social contract there. If you and your opponent are kind of doing it right, it's kind of the... Um, we're doing power level and we're doing WYSIWYG, right? In terms of whatever these models have, that's what they have, right? And to do, what we'll you see is what you get yeah. <laughs> for our listeners, WYSIWYG. <laughs> um, and then, like we kind of hinted at, the stratagems mm-hmm. uh, are these special rules awesome. that you can burn command points to use in the game. Um, if you're like me, you forget about that entirely the first time you play. Yeah. Don't use any of your six <laughs> command points. 
and but they're huge. They're they huge. are a huge like a difference in the game. Yeah, in it, any phase, you can spend yep. two of your command points for a reroll. So, mm-hmm. a key leadership check, a, a wound roll that you really need to to take place, a damage roll. roll. Yep. Um, you know, any any roll you make in the game, you can, you can spend yep. your command. You want to have that re-roll. command point in the in your pocket. And actually, a reroll I think is one. It's the um, the charge. Oh, the change the charge order is the two. Is the two stratagem or two command point stratagem? But yeah, they can basically because there's many games. If you think about a 40k game, there are a lot of times when you'll have one die roll that's going to tip <laughs> the game one way or the other. Yeah, and the stratagems give you a way to kind of mitigate some of those things until maybe you mitigate get to the your end randomness or, with more randomness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, there's nothing to say that that reroll. I'm still not going to roll a one. Right. But, but you can at least try. At least try. Yeah. Yep. And, and there are a lot of times where, you know, I. I, I totally miss, uh, you know, whether it's a psych- I, I, psychic, um, what's the word when you... Deny the witch. Deny the or witch. Or when you the manif- power. manifest the power and you go bad. If you roll... Perils of the war. Perils. Perils. Double ones, double, double six, one, sixes. Is, right. Three mortal wounds. Right. Those can be nasty. Fail. Right. Yeah. And again, oh, let's use a command point, re-roll that. Yep. We're not going to do it. Not figuring out. So there's a lot of... They really are huge. And I think that's going to be one of the things in eighth that really adds a lot of tactical... Uh, you know, nuance to the game of when do I use my my command points? When don't I? How do I build an army that has a lot of command points? Do I build an army that doesn't? What's the weakness there? So it gives a whole bunch of diff- another dimension that you can really play with in terms of the the strategy. Yeah, and um, how they how they did each of the factions that exists right now, they did these five indices uh, and organized them loosely. You know, mm-hmm. one is the Militarum, the um, assassins, the uh, you know inquisit inquisitor, mm-hmm. and yep. sisters of battle. The other is space marines, blood angels, dark angels. Then there's two xenos or two xenos. Yeah, ones there's and two a chaos two imperial one. ones, two xenos ones, um, a chaos one. Yeah, and and they organize each of the data sheets within those factions. So you yep. you have, for relatively decent, I think twenty five dollars. For each of those. Yeah, and you can, again, if you're not buying them at your GW store, you're probably getting them for under 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, and, and what they just announced, which is also really cool, is before Christmas, we're going to have 10 faction-specific codexes, which are going to provide more lore, more special rules, and faction-specific stratagems that you can mm-hmm. use those command points on. So, so should, you, should you wait to buy those? If you're, mm, no. I'd, I'd say if you're, it depends where you're at. I mean, right now, I would say don't buy the Imperium one one because we know that the Space Marine Codex is out in the next probably yeah, but, couple but weeks. But that also unless has you're playing Space Wolves, yeah. the specific <laughs> chapters like Space Wolves, Dark Angels, Blood yeah. Angels. So there's so much utility because you get so many yeah. of the the factions within an index for the price point pick it up because they're also cool mm-hmm. books there's sure. some lore in there they have and some lore some in there and cool um reference charts of all the weapons and point costs and things that are just uh, you know useful cool and then they're going to do the hardcover codexes to really specialize yeah. and they're going to do the space marine one first then i think the death guard my guess early. is they'll do the yeah, they'll um, do the death guard next which because yeah. that's in the starter set and uh and they're gonna have their own book and so if you're playing more. those two factions you might want to if you and if you're only playing those factions right. But if you're like again like us who play multiple different armies, the indexes are still a pretty good and value. They, they did so a pretty they, good job grouping them. 
Yeah. So the the index uh, the indices are sort of like fleshing out the initial uh, the initial armies, but like the the rule books coming well, in the f- it's, future will kind of it's going to be just like, a little bit more. Just like yeah. Sigmar, you're going to get your Grand Alliance book, and sure. then you're going to get your Battle Tome for yeah. each specific force. So gotcha. That, that makes it, a lot of it sense. It gives you everything you need to play at the start of 8th, which was the intent yeah. of the index. Um, then as they release codexes, it'll only add more depth. It's not going to remove anything that's in an index. It's just going to add more detail and more options. Cool. Awesome. Um, and then uh, Forge World also has their own set of four indices that cover all the different Forge World models that are used for all. They can be used in any of the, the factions. Yeah. Cool. So all the Imperial Armor books and other yep. stuff over the years they've released, they did their own uh, index. Yeah. And again, I think, again, we'll see the same thing in that they will continue to do the Imperial Armor books in the future. And those will then slowly supersede these indices books. That came out from Forge World. Yeah, it, was, World but. it was like a catch-up for everything yeah. that's in the known world, and then the Codex will add new stuff and kind of tweak. Yeah, and I have to give GW props. I mean, that was a ton of work yeah. to get all that stuff out there on day one. In Forge World, they delayed, but I think there was a two weeks. They had half of them and then another half, but for the, the base factions, they had everything day one. that you needed. If you had an army of 40K to play, you could get your rules and you could play. That's that cool. day one, so, and that was a lot of work, and and I give them props, like they to get all that. So it probably they're, took them more work, I imagine, to do the indices than maybe it did to get the base rules. You know, yeah, their their release strategy and how they how they handled the community and the the launch was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's yep. the best they've ever done yep. with a, a product launch. Yeah, and again, I think it's finally you're seeing that community outreach because they did reach out and they had a lot of play testers yep. um, in the U.S. and the U.K., a lot of prominent. It's a lot of people that they reached out to a lot of the TOs that are running tournaments, um, people that had seen, have seen a lot of stuff and use those people as kind of play testers. Um, and you're seeing that, and that I think that's why you're seeing so much stuff. Not as much stuff that's kind of broken out of the box that you, that you had seen in the past. Where you you know stuff rolled out and then you were waiting. They had to fix stuff and FAQ things. But even that, they put FAQs out already. Again, and not so much like fixing rules, but just helping to explain where there were some things that maybe weren't as clear. Or people were misunderstanding. I wouldn't even know if they're not clear. Sometimes you look at it and it's like, yeah, the rule makes sense. I don't know why people were misunderstanding yeah, it. People it's question just, rules as read right inverse rules is intended, yeah, and they right. said, no, this actually means <laughs> right. So you roll this dice. Yeah. If it's this, you re-roll it. Before yes. a modifier. Yeah. So I don't know that many of the FAQs are more like them changing anything. It was really them just kind of stressing, yeah. no, this is really how we mean it. You know, so it, again, I think it just shows how, how solid the rule set is kind of out of the box. That's not saying people are going to find different kind of, there's going to be some synergies. There's going to be some things that you can over spam and figure things out you know, as the meta kind of keeps moving. But I don't know. It's interesting to see. I think there's so many options in eighth edition right now. It'll be interesting to see where the meta goes. In terms of, I don't think we'll see one like again in seventh where Eldar was, you know, definitely kind of way above everything else. Or it basically, was a lot of the new whatever the new uh, faction or new uh, formation that came out seemed to be the hot thing, right? That was always doing it. I don't know that we'll see that as much in in eighth edition. It seems like there's so much variation and so much things. I think you'll see the meta change as people look at it and they'll be like, oh, I'll try this, and mm-hmm. guess what? That's pretty strong too, and I'll try this, and that'll be pretty strong too, right? So. Um, it, yeah. It's gonna be pretty cool. Yeah, and we we don't have a ton of games under our belt. You know, I, I've played eighth twice now. Um, 
smaller point values, but it it is hardly had to look at the rule book. You know, just rolled mm-hmm. dice, played a game, didn't take very long, uh, very smooth, very very easy transition. So Tom and I have played Blood Angel versus Eldari a couple. You know, um, Overwatch is real. That's that's my <laughs> takeaway. Is Overwatch is real because yep. you declare your charge. And you can declare your charge against multiple yeah. units. You have to pick your target, and then each of those target units gets to roll their Overwatch that hit on sixes. Yeah, and vehicles are back. Vehicles have wounds and yep. a saving throw. It's crazy. Yeah, and they, they yeah they're definitely not the. Again, you can blow them up. You can definitely take them out, but they're they're a lot more resilient. They definitely have a kind of a declining curve. It's not like in the past editions where one shot could always take out your. 200 whatever 250 point land raider yeah. right you know or, that you're a dangerous train check you roll right. over like a log and <laughs> yeah. you roll a one you yeah. blow up and your land raiders immobilized right right and useless so you, you definitely have this curve you know that your vehicle is going to be there for some amount of time as it degrades and if your opponent decides to concentrate on it that degradation curve may be shorter but at least they're still doing that amount of damage it's not like they're getting that lucky shot to take things out so it, it I, that's what so vehicles think that's one big difference is vehicles are are back right they're there and in 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 force and they can do some things i mean like again in a couple of games i played the land raiders are there they do some work right to get things yeah. uh, the thing so um it was that's cool again and and uh tyranids are a little bit back too i mean john played they played tyranids ultras as as our games and the, the tyranids are back they have some stuff to do and well they they fixed synapse synapse is an advantage mm-hmm. now it's not a detriment to your, your yeah. force and they can get and you can get in basically drop right in you can get that first turn charge off if you yeah. get lucky john of course unbelievably john did not get lucky a lot of times oh, <laughs> right. turn turn one my death company drop in nine inches away yeah. um i failed a charge then i had a chaplain nearby that let them re-roll i failed that and then I forgot to use my strategy to get to another re-roll. Yeah. My re-roll. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I still yeah. I still have the same problems that I have yep. playing Age of Sigmar. I fail charges <laughs> on turn one. Your, your dice are crap, is what you're saying. In the end, there's still it's yeah. still a dice game, and yeah. you're still going to get there. Yeah, again, the same thing. I had John drop in, and he had he blew three charges that he. Again, odds are he should make whatever at least one of those right to get there. So, but a um, lot lot of fun. Oh. Can't wait to play some more. What totally I probably cool. won't play is Horus Heresy, though. Right. I mean, that was one of the interesting things was Horus Heresy, which is was hot, right? That game was maybe more popular than 7th and 40K for a while is, you know, they've, they have not moved that rule set ahead. That's staying on 7th edition for now. Um, they actually kind of re-released the rule books because there's no... Right, theoretically, you can't really get 7th edition rules but Forge World has those available for for the Horus Heresy thing. So it'll be interesting to see where Horus Heresy, with that popularity, I think there'll always be people that keep playing it, but my guess is you'll see a little bit of a decline. Um, and then odds are they will move to 8th at some point, whether that's next year, whatever it ends up being. I think partly it's just there's a pure, they didn't have enough manpower to, can, to rewrite all those rules at the mm-hmm. same time they're rewriting everything else, right? Forge World is a... As much as GW is a big a big company, they're not really a big company. And Forge World, as part of them, is an even you know smaller part of a medium sized company. So yeah, but definitely get out there, 
buy eighth edition if you've never played 40k before it's the best time to get Mm -hmm. into that game that there's ever been um some rumors are the start collecting boxes that are coming out are going to be very affordable very good Mm -hmm. entry points and the the rules are as accessible as they've been yeah and they just released what is there two or three different kind of starter boxes that came out i can't remember what they're called but one of them i think it's like 40 bucks and has a couple squads and has You'd use the box itself as the terrain. The box is a building terrain. A drilling piece, terrain, yeah. and they give you like a it's, a, it's paper, but at least it's like a, a mat that you can lay down as your terrain mat. And again, that's something you can get in anybody's hands, whether it's your nephew or something else, and, and start playing. Um, so, and there's a couple, there's another box set too in that kind of that similar vein to get out there. So, yeah, I think Jeffy's got it, they got it targeted in pretty right. Well, so, and we're hearing a lot of things again, just in our group, there's a lot of, Again, as we built the basement of death, we had like seven or eight people who were always very intense on 40K that kind of declined as fifth edition kind of went out of style. Um, and now in eighth, you get a lot of people who are, again, a lot of people are excited to kind of, oh, yeah, I can bring out my angel, brother angels or my space wolves and, and really play again. Um, so I'm interested to see how much, even in our group, how much we can get 40K kind of back to the table again. Great. So go out and buy 8th edition 40k uh we're gonna take a short break and then come back with play it or slay it welcome back to the play it or slay it review uh so on this uh play it or slay it we're gonna talk about a game called get bit by Mayday Games. So it was actually a, a 2011 Origins best family game. Uh, I was part of the Kickstarter for GetBit, and I got the Deluxe Tin Edition. Um, and <laughs> the slogan for the game was, you don't have to be faster than the shark, just be faster than your friends. Which I, think, I thought was kind of funny. I think that teaches a really good message. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to the children that they recommend can play this at yes. 7 and up. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, it's it's the first in a trio of games, and it's the second logically. So there was um, Walk the Plank, which is uh, kind of a pirate game where you're trying to push other folks off the plank. Uh, get bit is the second so you're swimming away from the sharks chasing you and then there's hold your breath which you're kind of sinking and you need to hold your breath longer than the other folks so um none of these are like feel good no none of them are feel good but they're still they're all fun they're, they're fun. all very they are fun we have i think i've played at least two out of three i don't know if i've played hold your breath but the other two i've played yeah they're fun and, and yeah, they're all definitely fun games. I, I own all three. Um, but uh, GitBit is a simple hand management player elimination style game. So it's uh, you're kind of shifting your order. Um, the shark is at the end of the line, and whoever ends up at the end of the line at the end of the round gets a limb bit off. Um, so uh, it, it's real fun because there's you know little yeah. Lego guys yes. essentially with removable limbs so you have arms and legs um and yeah if you (laughs) if you end up at the end of the line at the end of the round you lose an arm or you lose a leg so uh, that's to my that was the funny part is where you're getting 
kind of mauled by the shark and then so you end up with like a bob because you've like lost your legs at some point or, <laughs> or you have like an arm and one leg it it yeah it luckily they're lego people so it's not there's no gruesomeness or anything else right um so it, it that is kind of funny and and it is kind of screw your neighbor like um, who can you at the last second switch your card and move somebody else to the back and watch yeah. them get eaten by the shark? Exactly. So yeah, everybody plays a face down card. Uh, it's one through five, six, or seven, depending on how many people you play. Uh, and yeah, whoever has the highest card, you know, moves to the front or the back. And, you know, depending on the the order and um. It, the deluxe edition actually came with stickers that you could put on the Lego people. So I, I think I have mine all themed as as pirates, uh, which is pretty cool. I'm showing it to the camera yep. for our, our web stream. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and all the legs and arms are obviously removable. Um, for the regular edition, I think there's just like a little paper card shark. Uh, for the deluxe edition, there's a actual Lego shark. Uh, for the Kickstarter, there was a gray shark and a white shark, so we play with both, obviously. But um, definitely a fun game. Uh, it's it's a uh, you know plays in about fifteen to twenty minutes. You know, it's not real real meaty, but um, it's definitely a fun filler game for you know you're waiting for folks to show up or you know, you're playing with your kids or, you know, whatever. Um, it's a good entry-level board game. Um, and but, it yeah. looks like it runs about 20 bucks, right? Maybe I think it's 25 retail, pick up for 20 bucks or less. Right, at right. At your local retailer. It looks like 16 it, bucks on Amazon right now. Is the deluxe edition available or was that a Kickstarter exclusive? That's the tin. The tin, I think, is still available. At least okay. it's still available in different things. For, again, around 20 bucks. I okay. think, is the Because, the yeah, if, if this were, like, paper or crummy, yeah. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be 20. Yeah. I think I think that version is. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, I like, think I think the regular the version is almost closer to 10. Yeah, I think the, like, the non-tin version is closer to 10 bucks. So. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a fun game. I, I enjoyed it. I... Uh, I kickstarted it because I wasn't sure, you know, how fun it would be or not, and uh, definitely I've, I've played it a handful of times and with different groups, and everybody seems to have a good time with it. It, you know, it's not a real meaty game, but it's definitely, you know, get it on the table and play it, you know, once or twice a year. So all right, so. What, it's what's your what's your call? It sounds like I can guess what your call is. But. Yeah, I'm gonna play it. I mean, it, it's definitely fun. It's not like you know, you're I'm gonna build a night mm-hmm. around it kind of game, but it's 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 a, it's a filler game. It's for sure. It's it's fun. Uh, and I will. I, I would also call play it in the times that because we have played it, um, and it is kind of that filler end of the night, beginning of the night. Um, definitely in that filler game kind of spot. And I just, I don't know why. It's kind of gruesomely funny and fun in terms of watching your poor little guy get his limbs get bit off by a shark, which, as I say that, does not sound fun at all. But <laughs> but there's something to be said for watching a guy try and get ahead of the shark with one arm and one leg and swim as faster than the other, than Ty's guy and watch him get eaten by the shark so so now ty I, i'm not sure where you're gonna fall on this one 
So as as with most filler games, I'm kind of already when when a game's described as like it plays in 15 minutes, I'm like well, I'd rather just sit around and drink a beer and talk before we start a more in depth game. Um, the the deluxe edition is probably the only way I would play this. If somebody showed up with the regular one, I'd be like, no, nah, I'll just hang out and play on my phone. Uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm like a play it if it's deluxe Thanks. with the cool looking guys because you get a little bit of production value at least out of it. Um, I mean, it's it's very simple. You know, it's it's a game mm-hmm. that really you could teach to a seven year old. So mm-hmm. it doesn't scratch my like my game itch. Yeah. But it, it looks fun. It's 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 lighthearted, as lighthearted as shark attacks and pirates can be. <laughs> right. right. As you say those words, it somehow does not sound lighthearted. So I don't know how. Yeah. It- <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'll, I'll play it only if it's the deluxe tin edition. Otherwise, I would slay it. Um, All right. So a qualif- I don't know what that is. A qualified slay or play. Yeah, I, yeah. If, and if you're forcing me to to pick, like I can't do that with qualification. I'm, I'm not going to force okay. you to do anything. All right, good because I'd, I'd probably slay it. <laughs> cool. So that's Get Bit. Get Bit by Mayday Games. So, um, with it being the middle of the summer, we are right in the dead center of con season. Uh, right around the corner, um, we've made some jokes. Well, I've made some jokes because I'm <laughs> I'm the anti Gen Con guy. I think I've been labeled that. <laughs> Nicole said, "You really hate Gen Con. You always talk about how bad it is." <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I, I like hanging out with my okay. friends and playing games, and it's the only time of year that yeah. all of my friends are in the same place to try to play some games together. Um, but we, uh, we like Gen Con. We just don't like the Gen Con struggle. Yeah, that's yeah. the. This and the is, struggle is real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so Gen Con 50 coming up August um, 16th, 17th through the, the 20th in Indianapolis. It is the 50th anniversary of Gen Con. Um, with that, all four-day badges have sold out. Oh. Um, Saturday is, as of the newsletter that went out today, on the verge of selling out. Um, I would imagine Thursday, Friday will probably continue mm. to be available as single days. Sunday Family Day. Yeah, I think that'll, that'll be open for sure. It'll yep. be open, um, but you know, I'm I'm worried. I I saw some Twitter hate from people about the sellout, and like, does this mean that there's going to be so many people? Like, what was the cap? And trying right. to understand that's that. what we don't know. Right? And Gen Con replied to that tweet saying, "We're doing we're doing everything we can to enhance the experience for our guests." So, yeah. So that yeah, we don't know. Did they set the cap at like last year's attendance? Did they set the cap at last year's attendance plus ten percent or twenty percent, or did they set the attendance at last year's attendance minus twenty ten or twenty percent? Right. That uh, that's what we haven't got any real uh, data uh, on. Yet. Some things they did do right. Will call will be open twenty four hours, so they're not going to shut down. Will call at all. Um, supposedly they're expanding will call as well, so yeah. making it a. Uh, uh, a larger area, so it's not yeah. going to be this gigantic line this year, and supposedly. Yeah, so. and, but even then, last year, I mean, we're maybe getting a little bit into our pre-gen pre-gen kind of thing. But <laughs> last, I mean, the will call line has been extremely long, but it's moved extremely fast. Like I, I know Tom was in it, I think a year or so ago, um, and it was you know he was miles down the thing, but he was through that line in like forty minutes or something yeah. like that. So it was not. 
it, they did a good job of moving. You know, it was moving through again. Maybe they shouldn't even be a, ideally if you can't even have a huge line, that'd be great. Yeah. But I think they've even worked to where again, the will call line has been manageable <laughs> to get there. So so, so next time uh, we will do our Gen Con prep episode. Yeah. Um, for listeners of our old show, that was kind of how we started uh, as podcasters, mm-hmm. and and we really like our con prep preview show yeah. so that'll be an action-packed uh episode because we have hundreds of years of gen con experience yes combined. and i'm not even exaggerating oh, yeah, we're combined close. combined yeah, yeah combined we're probably pretty close <laughs> to uh, we're probably we can, we can get definitely over the 50 yeah and probably more like 60 or 70 years of attendance so so um, a lot of experience so gen con coming up next episode we'll hit the, hit on that um a lot also, key thing, Gamehole Con, uh, November 2nd through the 5th in Madison, Wisconsin. What's important there is event registration mm-hmm. is coming up August 5th. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a Sunday. It's noon. Mm-hmm. Gamehole Con in the past, they've been fantastic. Yeah. If you have registration issues, day of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great little growing big show yeah, yeah. It, it, in, that, in it, it's a really growing convention it's starting to become a really uh, a must. I would say a must go to, but if you can go to has a you know great yeah. experience because it's still in that middle like small con but now has a lot of the big con kind of experiences true dungeon yeah right uh, mm-hmm. you've got a lot of really great Wizard guests that are there yeah, the, yeah. The, the top you know all the the big wigs from uh, wizards have been there the last couple of years other a lot of other guests have been there um, and just their their regular game library mm-hmm. like if you just wanted to rent a game and and play it uh it, tons of games available so yeah, yeah. so highly yeah. recommend game Con, and we will talk about that more as it gets closer and then i'll go through our real quick uh social media <laughs> <laughs> uh find us we're on facebook so definitely find us and like the show at plan and slan show and leave facebook. us a comment if you have any leave comments, some comments yeah be happy to things you want to hear about questions you want us to to cover topic ideas um we're also on on Twitter at Plan P L A Y N Slayn S L A Y N Show, um, as well as you can find us through the Basement of Death uh, website, okay. basementofdeath.com, um, and various email sources. Yeah, email if you can hit Troy, Ty, or Josh at basementofdeath.com will probably get to us. Also, yep. info at basement of death will get to us if you can't yeah. remember our names. A number of ways to reach <laughs> us. And please, this is our fifth episode, and how we get more people uh, listening is through iTunes reviews. So, if at all you can, get out there and just say, hey, these guys were great. We'd appreciate it. Give us some feedback that we can work with, and, and we want to keep making this show uh, the best it can be um, for all of our listeners. So with that, guys, let's keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. And it was at that time that Belisarius' call said, The Adeptus Mechanicus will 
work on your things, and they will come from the Forge planets and march at your side, Robot Silly Man. And Robot Silly Man said, I will lead a new campaign against the forces of chaos that spill force from the Melodictum, Neferi, whatever it's called. And everybody laughed at Robot Silly Man because they knew that the important worlds like Ball and The Rock were cut off so that the real heroes of the Imperium doing the Emperor's will were on the other side of the galaxy and could not take the accolades away from the Emperor's, air quote, favorite son. 